Welcome to the BE Podcast, a weekly podcast for the church dedicated to discussing theology for everyday life. Join in the conversation with Pastor Jonathan Gallardo and Pastor Henry Cruz. Hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Gallardo, Pastor of Vida Abundante Cicero, and I'm with Henry Cruz. Welcome back to our podcast. And as you know, well, Henry, we're in the holiday season, holiday yep. spirit. I hope that you are happy, enthusiastic, and yep. ready to celebrate Christ. Yeah. We're uh, just a reminder we are having service on Christmas. Yes. Morning. Sunday morning, 9 a.m. For hope- all of our English listeners, 9 a.m. Yep. We hope to see them there. Why don't you do another Twitter poll and, and just ask who's going to show who's up? Who's going to show up? <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll do that. You better show I'll up. I'll do that. <laughs> but yeah, hope uh, hope they've been following us on Twitter. Our Instagram, ha- I mean, our Twitter handle is... Yeah. Oh, man, you always get me with this. Uh, we gotta, it's we a v- Vida English Pod. Vida English, English Pod. pod. Twitter and, at Vida English And pod. we will put that on the, on the notes yep. as well. So follow us there on Twitter. Let us know what you would want us to talk about in the future. Let us know if there's any specific subject you want us to address. Also, if there's any specific questions that you just want answered, and maybe we could get a, give you a shout out on the show. Yep. And uh, we'll answer your question. But as of now, have we had any questions yet? No, we have not. Not yet. Not yet. So our 20-something followers are are growing, we hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hope you follow us on Twitter. Uh, give us a like on this podcast show. As well, and we continue in our series through the state of theology. Once again, we've been discussing the state of theology, uh, the website, thestateoftheology.com, which was Ligonier and Lifeway doing a survey of roughly 3,000 people that consider themselves evangelicals or Christians, and they asked them questions or Ask them to affirm statements about God, the Bible, morality, etc. And some of the questions that we've been looking at have really surprised us, or the answers from some yeah. of these statements have really surprised us when we've evaluated them. So if you haven't been with us for these last couple of episodes, we encourage you to go back and uh, download some of the previous podcasts so that you could see where we're at. And we also encourage you to... Uh, try to um, do the survey yourself on the website, thestateoftheology.com. There's an actual survey, a personal survey that you can respond to so you can follow along with us. So here we go. We are now in statement 16. The statement 16 from this uh, survey starts off like this. So we're going to basically end. Uh, say the statements, and then what we do is we interact with uh, the reactions of the crowd, of the respondents, and uh, then we give you the answer, or we give you the answer first, and then we interact. But what we've noticed here is that the first three statements in this next category, statements 16, 17, and 18, they're roughly the same and have a lot to do with the authority of Scripture. So I'm going to read them and then answer them one by one, and then we'll do the interaction. Mm -hmm. So here we go. Statement number 16. The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. Now, if you're not using or if you haven't done the survey and you're just willing to answer this uh, while you're in your car, take a moment to answer the question by yourself and then come back to the show. So welcome back. If you paused the episode, what is this? 
uh, statement, Henry, true or false? Now, this is completely false. Um, and here's how the the people answered this statement. 25% strongly agree with it. And then on the opposite end, 27% strongly disagree with it. So virtually everyone is, in a sense, I guess, in the middle on this. They don't really know if the Bible is literary true or, or literally true uh, or if it's just, you know, a helpful account but contains a lot of ancient myths. So that's where the majority of us, surprisingly, majority of evangelicals are on the fence on this, probably in the middle for different reasons. But yeah, but yeah. This, is, this is incredibly frustrating as we <laughs> yeah. keep continue evaluating this. And uh, well, let's look at the next one because yeah. they're roughly all the same. Yeah. Uh, statement number 17 says, the Bible is 100% accurate in all that it teaches. And that, this statement, again, will let you pause and answer it on your own. And now welcome back. But yeah, this statement is 100% true. The Bible is 100% accurate in all it teaches. And again, here, uh, 33% strongly agree with the statement. Uh, 29% strongly disagree. And again, these are not high numbers for churchgoers. So they're... The majority are are in the in the middle again on this, and again, I think people that answer this are probably like, well, I think it's true here and it's wrong here, and 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 again, that's probably what's going on uh, there with with that statement with seventeen and statement eighteen again, kind of in line with what we're talking about, says modern science disproves the Bible, true yeah. or false? Right. And this is false. Modern science does not disprove <laughs> the Bible. But again, here, uh, 19% strongly agree with the statement. So it is a low number of people that see this. But again, 31% uh, disagree with it. So again, it leaves us with these aren't high numbers. I would have liked to have seen 90% disagrees with, with this statement. But again, it's only 31% of churchgoers or the people that filled this survey out that disagree with with this statement okay so what's going on here the, these last three statements have demonstrated what the christian church in the united states basically believes about its sole bible or authority supposedly yeah. uh, every pew in a historic christian church has Bibles, um, even hotels have Bibles yep. in them somewhere. A King James Version somewhere is laying around. Chances are that many people have a Bible in their house that they may not know where it is, or it may be under, like propped up underneath a table, yeah. but at least they have one. However, it seems to be that many are in, I don't know, confusion about the authority of Scripture. Now, now this begs to an understanding. If you're a Christian... yeah specifically a christian uh then if your authority if you say that you're a christian and and you believe in god then then where does your authority really lie because like me and you understand that people that you know are against god and against uh, uh religion and faith they completely reject the bible on a lot of bases and it's understandable because they reject god right but a christian then so where do we get our authority if we're Christian and we're kind of not believing in the Bible? Yeah, and I mean, and and it's just interesting because again, I, I you know usually the the questions that follow with 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 results like this is um, what's the source of this? You know, like where where does this come from? And you know, yeah, you know, theories get 
opposed or posited or whatever. Um, so you could blame it on the enlightened movement and, and, and the fact postmodernism and the fact that people don't believe in truth. And so, yeah, I, I think that that has a lot to do with it, but I think ultimately it's just that, uh, as statistics show a lot of people that attend churches that call themselves Christians don't even read the Bible. And yep. so then they, they don't know what it says. And so they just hear what other people, you know, say about the subject, but they themselves haven't actually read it themselves. And I think that that's, I think at the heart of it, it's really that is that uh, we have an issue. Yeah. With, with obviously the culture influencing the church with, with objective truth actually being attacked. But on the other side of it is even if you affirm that, that, that the Bible is true and all that part of the issue is people that go to church are just not reading the Bible. And so I think then when you're presented with questions like this, you you kind of go off what you've heard other people say. And I do think that that's, that's really a big issue here or a big reason why so many of these people that answer these these questions that, that call themselves Christians, that go to church, answered in this way where they really don't know where they land on the authority of Scripture. And obviously for us, it's alarming because if the Bible is not your authority, then then what is yeah. and what why go to church if if you're not going to fall or submit under exactly. the authority of, of of scripture? So yeah, that's for me an alarming alarming thing to well, see here. Well, I go a little bit further. Again, I, I I'm I'm a pastor, and it weighs on my heart to know that people go to churches. Mm -hmm. And the most of these people are, are in an evangelical church, uh, mainline denomination or non-denominational, but they, they, they go to these churches yeah. and they don't learn or feel or understand the weight and the authority of scripture because they don't hear it from their pastor. And in most cases, like in this megachurch epidemic that we have in the United States, um, megachurches are infamously mm -hmm. known for not preaching the Bible. I think you just recently showed me too that there's a mega church doing a metaverse yep. Christmas <laughs> service. Like that, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, yeah. But like they're more worried about technological advances, cultural relevancy. Uh, there's uh, a plethora of just kind of distractions yeah. that the church preaches instead of emphasizing the authority of scripture. Uh, at the pulpit and, and that's why we're big on exposition you you grab the bible you put people in mm -hmm. their eyes in the bible on a sunday morning you say we're going through ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 11 and this is our main body of text we're going to preach through it because it's authoritative it's god's word it's important it's relevant on its own we don't need any more crutches in this in 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 our service we need to fall under the authority of scripture. So they don't believe it's authoritative yep. because it's never been preached authoritatively. That's what we have to really kind of uh, get people to understand as they listen through these podcasts and, and just understand it. If, maybe if they're not in our church, but uh, the churches that they go to, you, you must be aware that you have to come to an understanding of the authority of scripture in your life. This is the battle cry or one of the battle cries of the reformers of the 16th century that stressed and emphasized the authority of scripture and one of them was sola scriptura yeah you just reminded me because i, I want to laugh so bad because as you mentioned this this church that did the that did this uh metaverse. Um, yeah this metaverse gathering when i saw a video of a guy making fun of it because supposedly uh the church 
got so full that they had to buy a new metaverse building and so he's like why are you doing that you could have just stacked them all up you know they're not real people so right now you when you mentioned that it just reminded me of him saying that or whatever but yeah anyway it is ridiculous so, so there's capacity limits yeah to a metaverse <laughs> And that's why I wanted to laugh so bad right now, uh, because I this guy was making fun of it. But but again, I, I yeah, I think that you're right. You know, not only are people not reading the Bible, but a lot of preachers that stand in front of pulpits aren't preaching from the Bible either. And so we're getting the results yeah. of of this. I can't. I, I could imagine uh, the pastor or whoever promoting the what is it the Facebook optical glasses that yeah. they have or whatever yeah. those glasses are called. Yeah. I can't remember the actual name. And they're like five hundred dollars a piece. So, like, man, these metaverse yeah. people are are very affluent. I guess uh-huh. uh, so. They can buy another metaverse building yeah. if they want. They can move into a stadium if they want. Yeah. But again, we go back to the authority of scripture, and uh, yeah, we'll talk about the metaverse at, a, at another podcast. And, yeah, maybe, yeah. A, maybe that would be a question. But let's move on because uh, the, this uh, this concept of sola scriptura is very near and dear to our hearts, and mm-hmm. we could spend a lot of time on it. But we got to move on. And now we're on statement 19. This is a theological statement, and here's what it says. God chose the people he would save before he created the world. God chose the people he would save before he created the world. Take a moment and pause and see what your answer is. Welcome back. Uh, what's the answer here? Yeah, this is true. God God knew before the foundations of the earth who he was going to save and the results here, 17% strongly agree with this statement and 39% strongly disagree, disagree. Wow. Uh, with the statement. Yeah. Okay, so what's going on here? Why, why do so little people agree with something so emphatic in Scripture? And, and I say emphatic because it isn't only what typical people always kind of... Uh, uh, try to caricaturize or characterize the um, the reform movement into a Romans nine debate only, and uh, and kind of throw that out the table, throw throw that out the window because they think that that has to deal only with Israel. But but we see this throughout the entirety of Scripture. Mm-hmm. This is God choosing from the very beginning, from even Adam and Eve to Abraham to Noah to Moses to a small group of insignificant Israelites. These are people that God chooses time and time again for his salvation. What's the, why do people have so much difficulty understanding that God chooses who to save? Right. And here we're dealing with the doctrine of predestination and election. Um, And I honestly, I, I just think people have an issue with this because they don't think this makes God seem loving or kind. Um, How can God choose who he's going to save, you know, without giving them mm-hmm. the freedom. And ultimately that's what it comes down to. Uh, I people think want freedom. <laughs> yeah, people want freedom. And I think that in our human mind, we feel more comfortable with saying I chose and I read or I rejected mm-hmm. God. Um, and I got saved because that in some sense I had something like we, we want some type of credit for that. And so I always find it interesting because a lot of preachers who, do not agree with this statement will preach about it's all grace it's all grace is all grace and it's grace for forgiveness of sin 
but it's not great. So, so in other words, they pause it right at mm. the salvation yeah. point. So it's, yeah, God saved us by grace that, you know, and so they'll quote the, the passages that talk about this while we were yet sinners. He loved us. Um, he loved us first before we loved him. And so they're okay with the, the element of grace as far as forgiveness of sins go. But then when it comes to salvation, it's, oh, but, you know, the grace stops there. And then now it's on you if you're going to accept this love, if you're going to uh, accept this gift, um, this invitation. And so, yeah, and I think that because, again, for a lot of people in their mind, it's easier to say instead of saying it's all God, it's easier to just say, no, well, yeah, this part was my fault because, you know, I didn't mm -hmm. I didn't respond or I didn't, you know, whatever. I didn't I didn't choose God or blah, blah, blah. And and I think they think that this makes God seem kinder and and more loving than the way the Bible actually presents the doctrine of salvation. Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, they're, they're not comfortable with that, with that sovereignty of God mm -hmm. in that aspect, because ultimately, if we're going to talk about this, you can't avoid the doctrine of reprobation. Yeah. So we have predestination election plus reprobation because it's God's active will not only in choosing who to save but also choosing who to damn mm -hmm. and that's where Romans 9 is very very emphatic and very very clear Esau I, I, I Jacob I loved Esau I hated and going all the way back to to the Old Testament we we have this concept of God passing over and then even hardening people's hearts in yeah. the case of Pharaoh, Pharaoh yeah. which Paul mentions in Romans 9 and and so it's very difficult to understand that or to believe that because you, I mean, not believe it in the sense, but really accept to the fact that God would not simply pass over people that he would not save, but also, you know, he's responsible for hardening their hearts mm -hmm. because that's what he does. And that's why Paul brings up this, this argument. And, you know, it's, it's very difficult, uh, doctrine to preach. I have yet to preach through the, the epistle of the Romans. And when I get to chapter nine, that's a very difficult chapter, especially on reprobation, yeah. because I can see even some people leaning towards election and predestination, but I could see them have pause and reserve towards the doctrine of reprobation. Right. Uh, but uh, in, in any, any way, God's in control of everything. So we have to understand that from that perspective. Uh, again, there's so much more we could say on yeah. this. Read Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4, Romans 8, Romans 9. Uh, these are all the John 6, 8, and 10. Uh, John 17 was yeah, one that convinced me. Uh, you know, that prayer was yeah. just a huge conviction point in my life. So take a look at those chapters. And finally, approaching the end of this podcast, the last statement that we're going to evaluate here is statement number 20. And the statement goes as... Uh, in the following hell is a real place where certain people will be punished forever hell is a real place where certain people will be punished forever take a moment to answer that welcome back what's the answer to this yeah this is true hell is a real place where people will be punished forever um 39 agree with this statement and on the other extreme 21 percent disagree with it so again of the majority falls somewhere in the middle here on on this statement um yeah we're talking about the doctrine of hell uh i know a lot of people don't like to talk about this even uh preachers that that believe in hell don't like preaching yeah. about it don't like talking about it uh because again they see this as well a, another doctrine that 
a lot of people view as how can a loving God send someone to hell forever? It's um, uncomfortable. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And and I always like to answer because no one ever repents in hell. Um, you're still guilty and you're still trying to justify your sin because that's what sinners do. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, that's for me how I would answer that question is why why an eternal punishment? Because no one ever actually asked for forgiveness in, in hell. And so, um, yeah, there's more we could say here. I know annihilism is a big yeah. thing that people like to spew that, you know, you don't really get sent to hell and punished forever. Just God simply makes you cease, you know, you, you cease, cease to, to exist. exist. Yeah. yeah. Destroyed. Yeah. He just destroys you completely. But again, that that's just not the evidence in scripture. And uh, I would go as far as saying a lot of this also has to deal with uh, lifestyle choices, mm. especially in the Christian world, because if hell is not a real place, then the Christian could claim to be a Christian, love Jesus, love church, and live supposedly the Christian life, but in reality, the sin that they love and can yeah. be hiding or even exposing completely uh, is a little bit more pleasurable for them now and don't see a reason why God would punish right. that eternally. Yeah. How could temporary sins deserve eternal punishment? So it has a lot to do with lifestyle as well. I always like to say, uh, people love to believe in heaven, but they live like there's no hell. Right. But hell is real. Jesus speaks on hell once and, you know, over and Many over times. again. Yeah. And and it's a clear description, uh, especially when he focuses on the on the fire. And it's just the, the details that he uses make the person understand this is not a place where you want to be right. for eternity. So there is a hell, and the Bible clearly teaches on that. So don't fall into the trap of annihilism. Don't fall into any other trap of, of temporary hell or even like the Roman Catholics have, this limbo place yeah. or purgatory place. It, that does not exist in the Bible, mm -hmm. and it's not a doctrine that we adhere to as faithful Christians. So once again, thank you for joining us for this episode and if it's the christmas season i believe yep that we're in uh the merry christmas yeah. I hope you have a great christmas celebrate christ we will and come to church and we'll see you sunday all right yeah. thanks for joining in i'd like to ask you to help us grow our audience you can do that by sharing our podcast following it or liking it in the platform you are using also follow us on twitter at be the english pod to interact with our hosts for any other detail, visit Be the Abu Dhabi Church.